0: Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Please contact your account representative for more information on these risks. Past performance is not indicative of future results. If you like grain markets and other stuff, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Grain Markets and Other Stuff Podcast. Here's your host, Joe Vaclavik. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Grain Markets and Other Stuff Podcast. Thank you for joining me. It is Monday, September 14th. Hope you had a nice weekend. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Remember, if you have not already subscribed to the Grain Markets and Other Stuff Podcast, go on Apple or Google or Spotify, whichever podcast app you use. Hit that subscribe button. You will be made aware when new content is available. This is my first episode that will be on YouTube and I will be a lot more active on YouTube from here on out, so... Um If uh, that's where you prefer to uh, listen to your podcasts or or watch videos, uh, a lot of this stuff is going to be available there, too. I'm not sure if I'm going to do the daily uh, morning update on YouTube yet. I haven't figured that out. This is kind of a a work in progress. I'm just going to kind of roll with the punches here and see how it goes. But uh, in any case, we've got decent looking markets here on Monday morning. Uh, December corn futures are down a half cent as I speak here at midday three sixty eight. But we had a real nice close last week. Uh, November soybeans sitting right at ten dollars. Um, on the nose here up four cents. That market continues to act incredibly well. Uh, wheat futures mostly higher, nice higher trade in the cattle market as well. Had a few news items that I wanted to run through before I get into this options conversation today. Uh, the first one, I, I wanted to just recap that USDA deal. And uh, and I want to tell you what I, what I think people are thinking about this thing, about that report. So the first thought, that I think is is pretty popular right now is that the yield numbers for corn and soybeans come down further. We saw this decline um, in corn. They went from 181.8, I think, down to 178.5. Uh, we saw a decline in soybeans. They went from 53.3 down to 51.9 for the U.S. national uh, yields. I think there is is a crowd out there who uh, is pretty confident that those numbers come down again in October so they're looking at the balance sheets and 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 probably saying you know what they're not uh, uh, quite as comfortable as, as USDA would lead us to believe on paper at least I think the other thing is is probably in demand and it's kind of similar I think there is probably a crowd who believes that USDA is a little too light on some of these demand numbers uh the fact that USDA did not Raise their soybean yield number on Friday is kind of uh, interesting. You know, you see uh, these sales to China almost every day. It's like every day of the week we're, we're selling beans to China. Yet USDA left that number unchanged. And granted, it's a lofty projection. I understand it's a lofty projection, but I think there's a crowd out there who definitely believes that that number is is coming up. You could probably say the same about ethanol, except it's a little bit more uncertain. USDA lowered that that demand estimate via the ethanol industry for the new crop marketing year by 100 million bushels, and that's really tough to it's tough for me to to know either way because i don't know what happens with covid i don't know what happens with driving restrictions i don't know what happens with this e15 thing that trump's talking about over the weekend using existing e10 infrastructure there's just a lot of unknowns there i, I don't know when we're going to start driving like we used to like pre-virus type levels. I, I don't know if that happens at all in this in this next marketing year. So they could be right or they could be very wrong one way or the other. Um so I there's two you got to look at at the supply implications here. Maybe the crop comes down, maybe it doesn't. Uh you got to look at the demand implications. Maybe that export number for beans in particular is wrong. Maybe even the corn one's still too light, but none of that is is a certainty by any means. Um Brazil, we're going to start hearing a lot more about Brazil as soybean planting gets started. Uh, the prospect for, for a record crop, it, it's a guarantee that they plant record acres. They're making so much money growing beans down there. Uh, there will be record acres. There's no doubt about that. It's a question of weather. Um, does the weather cooperate? Do you have a normal ish growing season? Is the weather good enough to support? Um, a, a trend crop or a better than trend crop, and it, it doesn't even need to be better than trend in terms of yields to be a record, given the big acreage push. So there, there's a lot going on here, but grand scheme of things, you know, we've got multi-month highs in the corn market, multi-month highs in the soybean market, um, uh, really nice action in the row crop markets, especially. My episode today is called "Time for Options?" Question mark. And I have done options episodes in the past. I've done at least a couple of them. And in the first episode, uh, or in these previous episode episodes, I discussed some ways to hedge production using options. I gave you a couple of sim- simple ideas, uh, w- ways that I like to use options to hedge production. What I also told you is that there, in general, is a time and place for options. Um, I am not a big fan of, say, owning put options for the entire calendar year. That's never really done a whole lot for me, at least. I haven't seen that work out in the uh, majority of situations. So I think there's a time and place for options, and I'm going to try to talk about that today, uh, mostly as it relates to the soybean market. And I'm going to talk about the soybean market because um, I think that this may be one of those times and places uh, for uh, put options in particular to be used to hedge production. Um, I, I've discussed before how I, I like to think of of marketing in terms of like which items are checked for me in, in terms of, of, is this a marketing opportunity? Uh, the big fund along is one box that I like to check. Bullish sentiment is another box that I like to check. Uh, multi-week or multi-month highs preferably is a box that I like to check. Bullish sentiment. Uh, we have all of those things going on in the soybean market right now. Now, does that mean that this is a high in the soybean market? Or that we're even close to a high in the soybean market? No, it, it doesn't mean that necessarily. What it means, for me at least, is that historically, uh, in my career, when I've seen all of those factors line up, it's it's typically been some sort of marketing opportunity. Now, I will admit, uh, a lot of those factors have been in place now for several weeks, and uh, if you had subscribed to, to that theory, uh, you'd be a little early on, on some of your bean sales, certainly, and I have been early. If you made a, a sale Any sale before today, you were early on, um, essentially. So just kind of keep that in mind. But when it comes to uh, options and and the beans, I'm looking at the beans and saying, you know what, this might be one of those markets that I might want to hedge uh, using options. And why would I want to do that? Well, first off, there's no carry in the bean market. I mean, you look at at November, January, March 21, May 21, July 21, they're all within four or five cents of each other. So there's no incentive for you to take your beans, put them in the bin and uh, try to capture carry or, or anything along those lines. That, that strategy is not out there for you. So what's the strategy that makes sense? Well, the strategy that makes sense would be to sell the beans shortly after harvest, given that there's no carry I guess if you want to maintain ownership, you do it on paper. Although I'm not necessarily a huge fan of that, but that would be probably the best strategy. You get the cash in your pocket from the cash sale and, and then you explore some sort of re-ownership using like a March, May, July contract and, and maintain ownership through the summer on paper. But, um, the forget about the re-ownership thing for a second. Let's just talk about what's going to happen between now and the end of the year. Between now and the end of the year, you're going to want to have all your beans probably gone. It doesn't make any sense to do it any other way, really. So um, you've got some cash sales on probably. Uh, You've probably got a a portion here that's not priced, and you've got a portion that you're not necessarily sure if you're going to produce at all. I mean, we don't know exactly what what your yield on your farm is going to be until harvest is over, right? And uh, for some of this stuff that you're not comfortable pricing, you'd like to hold on for better prices, perhaps. That's fine. For that and for for production that you're uncertain of in, in regard to quantity, I think that this is where options come into play. So the first thing that I would kind of look at is what's my time frame? Uh, do the November options buy you enough time? The November options expire, uh, it would be like third week in October. So they expire on uh, October 23rd. So if you are going to be able to price or sell your cash beans prior to October 23rd, I would say put together some sort of very simple option strategy using these November options. Um, simple, Something as simple as just buying a November $10 put for 23 cents today uh, would set you a nice floor. And, and the way you figure that, of course, uh, take $10 and subtract 23 cents And you've got a floor essentially at 977 and you probably pay your broker a penny in fee. So nine, call it 976. And, you know, if the board shoots to 11 bucks from here, you're on board for the whole ride. You lose your 23 cents. Um, that's, that's okay because we're at some good prices here that are probably worth protecting in my view. Um, a, a similar strategy in the November would be to say take that $10 put and then pair it with a short call option, you know, like that November. 1040 calls worth about 11 and a half cents today. Um, you could sell that and and help offset the cost of the put. Um, that's probably a little bit more of an advanced strategy for um, somebody who's who's done this quite a bit. But the most simple strategy, I mean, you got to think, if you can set a floor here in, in the mid-970s just by buying a put and leave the upside totally open between now and October 23rd, that's really not too bad in my view, and it's extremely simple. There's there's nothing simpler in terms of an op- option strategy than doing just that. Now, if your beans are not going to be ready to sell by that time, you're going to have to go out to the January, and the January, they get a little bit more expensive, of course, because um, you've got more time, uh, more opportunity for the market to go up or down, of course, but even the $10 January put is 32 cents. So you're still you're still setting a floor in the in the upper 960s with that deal you take your 10 dollars subtract your 32 cents you're at uh what 968 that's not a terrible deal either when you consider that we were at those sort of levels the 960s 970s not too long ago I mean was it last week probably that we were there or or maybe a, a, a four or five trading sessions ago so you can protect some really good levels that people never really thought that we would ever be at this year um with options today, just by simply buying put options and setting a floor and waiting to sell the cash. Um, and keep this in mind, me telling you that I think this may be a good time to buy put options in beans, for example, that doesn't mean that I'm bearish the market. It doesn't mean that I think the market's going down or I have some gut feeling about what the market's going to do. I'm just looking at it. I'm saying, listen, the funds are big, long, Sentiment's pretty friendly. you got a lot of friendly news. Um, you're at levels that are profitable for, for the vast, vast majority of farmers in the US here. This is probably a time where I would take a look at, at doing some options as a hedge. When beans were at eight and a half bucks and there was no profitability and the market was down and the funds were short, that is not a time That is not a time that I'm a big fan of buying put options or selling call options or really doing anything with options um, as a hedger. That's not to say that there wasn't risk when we were at 850. We could have gone to 750. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that over my career, at least, the way that that I've always seen this work is that if I can buy the puts when the market's up and when the funds are long and when sentiment is positive, um, just when the options are in a vacuum. I've got a better shot of making money on the option. But more importantly to you as a farmer, you've got a shot to protect some much better price levels while keeping the upside open on what you don't have priced or what you're not sure that you'll grow. So I think that the soybean market right now is probably a, a prime example of when there would be a time and a place to use a put option to set a floor in a market. I mean, if I had a, a like I said, pretty much everything lines up for me here. And that doesn't mean that the market has to go down. It just means that in the past, uh, based on my experience, and this is, is my experience. Other people have probably had different experiences. My experience is that put options and buying put options as a hedge, that sort of deal works a lot more often, uh, when you're at higher price levels and you're, there is perhaps more risk to the downside, um, In a situation like this, I think when the funds are a big long, there's just a lot of risk. I mean, think about the things that could happen here. I mean, we know that Brazil's got a big crop coming, probably. What about the the political risk or the headline risk that we had in this bean market not too long ago? You know, we were just one Trump tweet away from losing 30 cents in the beans or gaining 30 cents in the beans. I mean, is that kind of risk still out there? I think that it probably is still out there. Uh, You've got this election coming up. I have no idea what what a Biden win means or what a Trump win means when it comes to these markets, when it comes to China relations. I mean, some people could tell you that they think they know, but I don't know that anybody really knows. I don't know how Trump handles a second term. Does he handle it the same way that he handled the first term? I don't know what Biden's plan is at all, really. Um, So there's a lot of risk here when you look out the next two, three months. I mean, Brazil getting this big crop in the election. I mean, the China thing. I mean, the outside markets are their own kind of ball of wax right now. The currency market's lots of volatility there. So I guess what I'm trying to tell you is I'm looking at this bean market and I'm thinking that it may be a good time here, if ever, if there was ever a good time, to use some options to to manage risk, basically. And and they can get a lot more complicated than just the plain put option strategies that I described for November and for January. But it doesn't need to be any more complicated than that, in my opinion. Um, you can get into to buying puts and then selling calls or more intricate type spreads. But given these levels, I mean, spot month beans at $10 um, when you're gonna get into harvest very, very soon if you haven't already, um, this looks fairly attractive to me. Hope this episode was useful to you. Um, I hope the YouTube channel gains some traction here. This will be an interesting thing. This is an experiment. I've never done this before. I've never done a podcast before up until January. So um, this will be an experiment to see if it works out. But uh, certainly check that out um, if you're not big on podcast apps. Everyone have um, a great week. I'll be back later in the week. Uh, We'll catch you later.